So yeah, as um, one of the reasons I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd is because of my um, educational background. As um, as I can't said, I, I'm a lawyer, so that means I've got a law degree, and um, in a law de- being a lawyer, so much of the job is just about the application of a text to a particular situation, whether or not that's case law or statute. Um, you know, I'm always looking to sort of apply a, a text in a particular situation. And when we come to the Bible, that's what we're trying to do as well. We're trying to apply a text in a particular situation. And um, I've also um, studied history as well. Um, in 1999, I had all the papers um, for a history degree. I don't actually have a history degree, but um, you'll have to wait all the way to the end to, for me to explain why I don't have a history degree. But, um, but I do love the background of um, the first century Mediterranean world and, and, and when you understand some of the kind of historical background it makes the, the Bible come even more alive. So um, yeah, so today we're going to look at, at, at Jesus in the garden and this is um, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and, um, and there are, this is a multi-layered um, event that um, is recorded in all four Gospels. And so that means it's important because Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, often follow the same kind of um, sort of the same kind of events. And then John kind of comes in and he often sort of, you know, talks about completely different events. But there are a number of points where, where John joins the other three Gospels and talks about an event. And I think in those particular circumstances, um, we need to pay really close attention because that's you know, um, a number of people in Jesus' inner circle saying, hey, this stuff's really important. So let's, let's get to the passage, which is in um, Matthew um, 26, um, verses 36 to 56. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men keep, could you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same things. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd, armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. 
With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, he said to him. Jesus said to him, For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think I can call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then will the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you came with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place, that the writings of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And so there are um, multiple layers to this story. Um, The first is that a cosmic drama is being played out. The second is that a lot of um, physical, uh, political intrigue is coming to fruition. And And there's a third layer, which is a personal story of disappointment and betrayal. So if we look at the first the first layer of it, the, the cosmic drama. Well, at this point, the forces of darkness appear triumphant. If Satan is ever going to think, man, I'm here at the high point of my career, um, this is the point. Um, and why do I say that? Well, if we go back and look to, um, look to actually why God created humanity, And we read in Genesis 1, um, verses 26 to 28. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the air and over every living creature that moves on the land. So when God created humanity, he, he was creating um, uh, people to, to co-rule with him over creation. That he wanted, because God is love, he wanted to express himself in love and have, and have somebody to share his love with. It's the same reason sort of when, when two people get married, that one of the natural inclinations that they have is to have children because they want their they want their love to, to to be a fruit, and in the same way, even though even though God doesn't need need people to love because He has the Trinity and He's completely complete in Himself um, with with the three with the three um, persons of the Godhead, He still wants to share His love with people, and so and He wants us to have dignity, and He wants us to be able to have dominion. Over, over creation, and he wants us to, um, yeah, basically grow the Garden of Eden in a way that enables us to flourish and us to be, us to grow, to be all he's created us to be. And so if we then look at the role of, of Jesus, um, so what, why, did, why was Jesus, why did Jesus come to, the, come to earth? And if we look at... Um, John chapter 1 verses 5, uh, sorry, verses 1 to 5 and, and um, 10 to 12, we see that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made 
that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The, darkness, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to, the, to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through the, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So while we've been um, created to be co-rulers of creation with God, humanity um, rebelled against God. And then so God put into place an, uh, a plan for um, redemption to come through the people of Israel. But when we look at throughout the Old Testament, we see his chosen people um, to bring redemption to the world had consistently rebelled against him. So this is it. This, to Satan, it would appear his victory is complete. In the, gar- in the garden, image bearers arrest the creator. And in the words of, you know, t- to sound like um, Emperor Palpatine, their rebellion is complete. Um, and so... And so in this, in this point of darkness, though, we actually see um, the redemptive story even begin to um, take a turn because um, the Son of Man endures temptation in the garden. So unlike Adam and Eve, um, who were tempted by Satan um, and fell, here Jesus... Um, previously, at the start of his ministry, he's 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 faced temptation, and um, and he's and he he was successful in, in in overcoming the three temptations. Here again, you see um, Jesus in significant anguish, and 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 um, sadness of of spirit, um, and so unlike um, Adam and Eve. Jesus submits to the will of the Father, and, as the, and he refer, refers to himself as the Son of Man. This, is, this shows that he is um, a representative of humanity. He is prepared to cooperate with the Father to redeem creation. And he says there, he went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And so, and so, and finally, we see that what's happening here in the garden in terms of the cosmic drama is that there is a fulfillment of prophecy. And as um, says it, Matthew um, 26, 56, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophet may be fulfilled. So what's the application of this aspect of the story to our lives? Well, all things happen under God's timing and control. The next stage in the story that, we're, that happens after this is the fulfillment of God's salvation plan. When Jesus dies on the cross, um, there, one, one of the things that all of, the gospel, um, all of Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, record is that, the, um, is that the curtain in the temple is torn. And um, this is a really powerful symbol because the tearing of the curtain in the temple 
symbolises the restoration of the ability of all humanity to be in the presence of God. When you look at the Old Testament, um, the presence of God is pretty dangerous. Um, when, when the Israelites are, are, are popping around the desert, um, you know, they've got the presence of God with them in the tabernacle, and people keep dying. They, they, plagues break out, you know. It's a dangerous place to be around, around the presence of God because God is holy, and, um, and unholy things cannot live in God's presence. But what Jesus, what Jesus allows us to do through the forgiveness of sins is actually for us to step into that presence and then actually become, become whole people. Because if we go back to Genesis, that's what we're created to do. We are created to be in the presence of God. And so there, that way we begin to experience wholeness. And so moving on to the next um, level of the story, which is the political intrigue. Now, for, for the for the lawyer in me that sort of, you know, is really excited about sort of, you know, politics and stuff like that and the history of it. This is really, this is really interesting. If you go back and read um, John 11 and 12, it gives you a bit of a background to um, the, the political intrigue that's going on. Because Jesus at this point has just raised um, Lazarus, well, a, a little bit prior, he's raised Lazarus from the dead. And Lazarus lives in Bethany, which is a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem. So, you know, lots of people in Jerusalem will know the story. Um, and, and John also records that there is a, that when Jesus turns up and has the triumphant entry into, into Jerusalem, this is not a small gathering of sort of, you know, 12 disciples and a couple of other people coming along, there is a huge crowd. And so Jesus is bringing a huge crowd with an expectation that he is the Messiah into um, a city of Jerusalem at the time of the Passover where there, are, where there are thousands of other Jews coming in from all over the world to celebrate Passover. You're under an occupying, you know, government that is deeply concerned to ensure that there is, um, you know, civil control. And, um, and then Jesus goes and makes it even worse um, by going into the temple and creating a stir by clearing it out of the money changers. And then to make it even worse, he then sort of sits in the um, temple courts for a number of days and, and teaches. And using parables that just sort of are designed to poke the bear. Um, and in this case, the um, bears are the religious leaders. So if you, look in, um, if you look, for example, in Mark, you'll see that there are just multiple confrontations that he has with the religious leaders that have the effect of undermining his, their authority. And so this is where you get to um, Caiaphas' prophecy, which he says... Um, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, 
who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man perish for the people than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. And so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. And it's interesting that as the high priest, it was his job um, to sacrifice the Passover lamb for the sins of the nation. And so that's so you can see um, in in the um, in the passage in the passage from 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 Matthew that that that's that's why there was a um, large crowd armed with swords and clubs and sent from the the chief priests and the elders of the law, elders of the people, and. But, you know, Jesus said, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple teaching and you did not arrest me. So what's the application of this, this aspect of the story? Well, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And in his, his interaction with, with Pilate later on um, in John 18, um, he says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. And, and Jesus in the garden says, put, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think I can call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And so this, this shows that in, in terms of how do Christians deal in, in times of of political turmoil and difficulty. Well, our, our role is simply to remain a prophetic voice in our, in our communities by being the best of citizens while being ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And then finally, the final layer is, um, is the personal story of, um, of the garden, where, where Jesus is is in the end let down um, by, by two of his disciples. First of all, there's the failure of Peter. Peter can't stay awake to support Jesus in his time of greatest, greatest anguish. And, and Jesus has, says there in, um, in um, verses um, 40 um, in, in the chapter, could you men keep... Keep watch with me for one hour. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And, and the, the reality is, is that sort of, you know, this is really, this is really disappointing for Jesus because um, just a few hours previously, um, during the Last Supper, Peter has said to, um, to Jesus, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So Jesus knew that, um, that um, Peter was about to um, disappoint him. He knew that he wasn't going to sort of um, be able to pray with him. In his hour of greatest need, and Jesus knew that, that, that Peter was about to deny him. 
And, and these, are, these are his close friends. These, you know, Jesus is, Jesus is both fully God and fully, and fully human. And so um, these, these things will be impacting on him. And then you've got Judas. And so Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss as, as the way of identifying who, who Jesus is to the crowd that wants to kill him. Judas, having been in the inner circle, betrays Jesus with a kiss. And in, and in New Testament times, the kiss was a symbol of friendship. So what's the application of this? Well, for me, this is about seeing the humanity of Jesus and about how he has, how he has felt the full range of human experiences. When you go through the, the Gospels, you find out that Jesus has known the powerlessness of being a refugee. He's known what it means like to lose a close family member to unjust political violence. He's lost a parent as a young person. He's, su- he's suffered from the death of other people he was close to. He's suffered physical abuse. He's suffered family dysfunction. And he's suffered being misunderstood. Um, and so, this, so this, this comes back to the question of, why don't I have a history degree? Well, at the time, I got my last paper from Massey towards my um, history degree. I was deeply hurt by a person who I thought was my best friend. Um, and and this, this triggered a deep depression um, in me that lasted um, for, for many years. Um, and, and it just meant that sort of simple stuff like... Um, the, the administrative aspect of your life, like simply applying for, for a law degree, I'm sorry, a history degree, was beyond my capacity. I, w- I was functioning, but, um, but you know, the, those basic things that you, if, if anybody who's suffered from depression knows how hard it is sometimes to do the basic things, um, that, was, that, was, that was my experience, and it was my experience for a number of years. But in this passage, I could see that Jesus understood how I felt and that he could walk with me through the pain. And it says in Hebrews um, um, chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so our relationship with Jesus and others is key. The difference between Judas and Peter, um, because obviously Judas went away and committed suicide, and yet Peter was restored um, by Jesus. Peter remained with the disciples, whereas Jesus isolated himself. And um, Peter allowed himself to be restored by Jesus. When you move forward to, um, to John 21... You, where, where Jesus is actually um, restores Peter and, and, and forgives him and says, you'll feed my sheep. He also says to um, Peter, look, you know, there will come a time when, when somebody will take you away and they will kill you um, for, for following me. And so I think it's really good that when you see that scope of, um, that scope of the story, that Jesus actually when you go back to John 13 and, and um, Peter initially kind of saying, I, you know, Jesus, I want to, to go with you, um, you know, even, even, even to death. 
um, Jesus actually honours that commitment in, in Peter's heart, even though he needs to grow over a period of time in order to actually be able to fulfil what, what he actually genuinely has in his heart. And so we, we end up um, at the end of the story knowing that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Um, so if there are um, things in your life that you feel that sort of um, have, that have separated you from the love of God, that you feel like you are not able to, um, that you're not worthy of 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 following Jesus, or that you or that you weren't aware that God actually wants to be in relationship with you. Um, I was just wondering if we could all just um, take the opportunity just just to bow our heads, and I'm just going to um, lead us in a prayer. And if you want to um, have a relationship with Jesus, um, then just as I lead us in this prayer, um, can you put your can you put your hand up as a as a sign that yes, Jesus, I I do want to follow you, and I do want to be a disciple, and I do want to know what it means to live in the love of God. Um, That'd be great, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a chat afterwards. So, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as, as we come to Easter, Lord, we're, we're coming into a time, Lord, where we celebrate the fact that you died for our sins, Lord. And, Lord, we just acknowledge you, Lord, as Lord of our lives, Lord. We lay down everything in our heart, Lord, that, that has been in rebellion to you, Lord. And, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that um, that you would be Lord of our lives and that from this point on, Lord, that we would be able to serve you with all of our hearts.